Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Rooted Podcast. The reason we do this podcast every single week is because we believe as we live our life, as we go throughout church, as we interact with other people, if we are rooted in Scripture, we can live a life that is according to Jesus and according to Scripture. And we have been talking about the church for a very long time, and I, I think we we need to continue this conversation of church. I think it's been a good one. Uh, today, I, I want to talk about something that has been frustrating. I don't know if it's been frustrating for like, regular people that go to church, um, but from a minister's perspective, something has been frustrating or a hot topic for a lot of, of people. And I kind of want to talk about it because I want to know if this is a frustrating thing for for most people, which is the growth of our churches. Is the growth of our churches a frustrating topic, or is it a topic that you know we don't really think about? Um, I know for some churches it it is a, a big talking point. Uh, me, us, us personally, I pastor a church in. Lexington, Kentucky, we're a church plant. We're, we're a little over a year old. And the, the conversation of church growth from the individual, from the individuals is probably not something that we, we talk about often because, you know, we're not trying to grow something that was big before. It, like, like we're the biggest we've ever been because we're only a year and year and a half year old. And every time we, we gain a new person that wants to join our church, we're just, that's the biggest we've ever been. Uh, so like the, the conversation of coming back from COVID where we're people say, you know, we're only 50% back from where we were or 70% or 80% back. Like that's not a conversation because we, we never experienced that before. Uh, but the conversation of church growth needs to be something that we talk about because in theory, if our churches are growing, that means that we are reaching people for the gospel, and that's what we want to do. Now, we like to say church growth. We like to talk about that stuff. And I think we have a good heart behind it because we think if there's more people in the seats, then more people are hearing the gospel, more people are becoming obedient and faithful, and, and that's a good thing. But in reality, we we probably see more church shuffling than church growth, which church shuffling and 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 people members bouncing back and forth or people that never skipped a beat. They, they started at one church and then they went to another church. That's not church growth. Now, if somebody, you know, we call them de-churched. They didn't go to church for a long time for whatever reason, grew up in church, stopped going to church. That is church growth because they're coming back and they're, they're learning to be faithful and obedient all over again. That is a growth aspect of the church. So can the churches grow? I think that's a a good question to ask. Can we continue to grow these churches? Can we continue to grow the church that I pastor? And how do we do that? Is there a right way to grow a church? Is there a wrong way to grow a church? How do we how do we focus and grow the church? And I think the first thing that we need to understand and talk about and probably come to a decision on is what kind of church growth do you want? Like what how in what way is your church trying to grow the church? I think this is very important to to discuss because if we're if we're just trying to get other Christians to come to our church, 
you know, kind of viewing it as we have the best product in town. We have an individual product in town and there's people at other churches that might mesh well or better with, with the church that we attend rather than the church they're attending. Now, I, th- I think that that could be good because there might be somebody who is going to a church and they've never, you know, ventured outside of their church and maybe they can engage or use their talents and gifts in a different way. Maybe it will spur on some, something with meeting another person that kind of spurs this new idea to reach new people. Like I, we, we've seen that before. We've seen that in the, the secular world with companies where somebody has a really good job, but they go to another job and then they meet somebody and then they create something great that changes the world. I, I think that can also happen within the church as well. But should we focus on that or should that just come naturally? Should that be an individual conversation between the person and God where God is will naturally lead them to another congregation or another state or whatever, for whatever reason. And it will naturally progress into something that changes the lives of a bunch of people. Is that, is that the church's job uh, to do that? Or is that, is that, this doesn't sound terrible, but is that God's job in the, in the leaders of the church and the elders of the church? Are they supposed to stay out of that? I, I think we can get a great example of this, of, of what we're supposed to focus on in the book of Acts, which I, I talk about the book of Acts quite often in, in uh, this podcast. And the reason for that is because it's the beginning of the church. And it's, it's the, Jesus has ascended into heaven and they're trying to figure this out. And you kind of see them trying to figure this out and getting words from God and the Holy spirit and just how there's this explosive growth at the beginning and I think it's really important to always look back at this. And as as a pastor that pastors a small a small church plant, I, I always go back to this to make sure that we are rooted in this scripture. Because if if we're not rooted in the scripture, I have a tendency, and leaders have a tendency, and ministers have a tendency to focus on the wrong things, to get bogged down or get excited about the wrong things, and we completely neglect why we why we were called to be pastors in the first place. So we we I I really want to talk about this first scripture because we see that when the church is started, Jesus says, "Hey, go wait in Jerusalem and you'll receive the Holy Spirit." And the people go there and then it says this, he said to them, "It is not for you to know the time or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I, I think that's very, very important that we need to talk about it because this aspect of receiving power and then the outcomes of it was really important. And we talk about the Holy Spirit quite often, the power that it has with that. But why did God give the Holy Spirit to the people. And I believe he gave the Holy Spirit to the people so that they can have power and share their testimony, share the good news of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. That is the power that every individual person has. Now that's a baseline power. 
that is not, I, I believe the Holy Spirit can do crazy things. And we see uh, just if you continue to go forward in this Acts book and you continue to go on to the end of the New Testament, you can see the power of the Holy Spirit and what it can do in individual people. But the baseline power that you will receive when you receive the Holy Spirit is the ability to share your testimony and the ability to share the good news with other people. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's so important to to get and to grasp because whenever we have church, our church meets on, on Sunday mornings at 1030 at LCA in Lexington. We always ask the question, what is a successful church service? And when I talk to other, other ministers and I talk to other people, I talk to other churches, if I have other conversations with people, what is a successful church service? No, there's a minister's perspective, there's an elder's perspective, there's a deacon's perspective, there's a regular person's perspective, there's a pers perspective of the people who play music and preach and give communion and do children's ministry and everything. But if you combine all of those together, what is a successful church service? Now, I can tell you what is not a successful church service. What's not a successful church service is when people come and they just receive. When they want to hear their favorite song. When they want to hear a message that makes them feel good. When they want to hear a message and it, and it makes them feel good because they think of other people that are doing the thing that is wrong that the preacher's talking about. And then it makes them feel good because they're judging themselves and the other person based on the standard of good. And they're like, well, that person's doing that, so I must be better than them. That's not a successful church service. It's not a successful church service when we have a party. When youth ministry is, is just games and, and, and pizza. When children's ministry is, is just playing with toys and kind of a babysitting service. That's not a successful service. What I think is a, is a successful service is when we look a lot like Acts 2, 42, where it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled in awe with the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. They were all, all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to, to whoever was in need. Every day they continued to meet together in, in the temple courts. They broke bread in each other's homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Everything about that, everything about that church there was about the other person. It wasn't about the individual. It wasn't about the individual walking into this thing and says, you know, I, I am the one that needs to be served. But everybody went into that position wanting to serve somebody else. And if there's a person in need, that they received something from their individual peers. And it says that the Lord added to their number daily. Now, the thing that it doesn't mention, that it does mention in Acts 1, was how those people were saved. Now, the Lord 
push those people to that, that group of individuals, but, but how is the process of being saved? Well, we go back to Acts 1, and we see that they received a testimony of the good news of Jesus Christ, that they received the testimony from individual people of what they were before Jesus, how Jesus entered their life, and how they were afterwards, and how they have been changed from an earthly aspect, and how they have faith, and they look forward to the fact that they are going to be saved, and they're going to be in heaven forever like the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. That is so important for us to do. And it's such a difficult thing whenever we see churches that are trying to just build back their kingdom. Like we are trying to grow the church because we want to serve people. We're not trying to build a church so that we can fill the pews and feel good about ourselves whenever we go into a service. I heard a church recently say that they're trying to build back from what they used to be. And I just wanted to throw up when I heard that. It's not about you. It's not about building your kingdom and trying to build back your individual buildings so that your pews can be filled to the max. And you can say that you're back up to 350 people, 400 people like you used to 15 years ago. 350 people isn't good. We have a town of 350,000 people and less than 18% of them go to church. If our individual church, I think we have 650 seats in the place that we worship in. If that was completely full, that's still not even a, a percentage point of our town. Like we can't just be satisfied because our buildings are full because it's not about filling a building. It's about reaching individual people and trying to give them the opportunity to hear a gospel message and receive grace, which can and will save them. That is how we grow our church building. That's how we, that's how we grow. And that is so important for us to go forward and do. Whenever I talk to church leaders and I talk to church people, you know, their, their church, whatever they ask them, you know, what is a successful church service? It's really just if the performance goes without any distraction. Now that's important. Like you don't want to be distracting in, in pulling people's eyes away from the gospel message. I get that because we, we try to do that all the time. But that's not, that shouldn't be the, the, the point of a successful thing. But it, what the success should be is if everybody's giving, everybody's trying to give their best. Everybody's trying to give when they hurt, they, when they're give when they're in their best situation. And they up, uphold and elevate the people that sit to the left and to the right. And they're trying to invite their friends and family because they, they want them to hear the good news of Jesus. We don't invite to make ourselves feel good. We invite to save people. That is why we try to have church every single Sunday. 
to give people an opportunity to one worship, which is to give. We, we, we uphold Jesus. We uphold God. We give everything to him because he is worthy. And we say, it's not about us. It's all about you, God. You are so great. And we do that for an hour straight. And then we open up his Bible. We open up his scriptures and we talk about the, the, the great things about him and how we always end with Jesus and the grace that we can receive through him because that's the only way, that is the only way to be saved. And the second, we give a place and an opportunity for people to invite their friends, to invite their coworkers, to invite their family so that, that, that they can hear a message that can change their life forever. Those are the two reasons we have church. And I pray that we continue to keep that in front of us at all times. That the reason that we planted a church in the first place, the reason that your church was planted in the first place was to reach the community for Jesus. So can our churches grow? Yes, they can. Is there a right way to grow our churches? Absolutely. I think there is a right way to grow our churches. And there's a very wrong way to grow our churches. And I pray for our ministers in our town, and I pray for the ministers all over the world that our, uh, that our eyes and our minds and our hearts are all focused on Jesus and the only way and the only reason that we, that we want to grow our churches is because we want individual people to hear the gospel message and have their lives changed forever. That is the only reason that we continue to do this. And, the, and we continue to have services every single week and encourage people and push people so that they can do the same thing to their friends and their families and their coworkers and their individual people they see at the gym and the people they bump into on, on the street corner that they just radiate Jesus because they so desperately want everybody that they come in contact to be, in, to be saved. You know, the best way to grow your church, if your church is, is not where it was before COVID, if you would like your uh, worship space to be filled with praises of Jesus, by number standpoint, you know, the best way to, in, to do that is by you individually inviting people to church. Like you going up to somebody that you care about and saying, hey, I would love for you to come to, to church on Sunday with me and sit with me and worship with me. And then you invite them every single week over and over again. That's the best way to grow your church. If you just come to church and you don't invite anybody, then it, and it slowly becomes about you. It's about fixing yourself, about hearing a good message, about worshiping your favorite music. And that's not why we have church. We have church to worship, which is to give, and we have church worship to have an opportunity for people who are not saved to hear a good message to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. 
And I pray that our churches grow because of that and not because of all the different other reasons that we put in our minds. I always hear fantastic stories of how churches grow. The reason that our church has grown slowly over the past year is because individuals invite their friends, invite their family to be a part of this church plant. There's very few people have come to our church because they saw something that I posted online or because of the clips that we post online or the services that we live stream or the signage that we have on the street. But it's individual people going into the streets, going into their jobs, going into their families and saying, hey, this is really important and I care about you, so please come and worship with me on Sunday morning. And you just pray for their hearts to open to the good news of the gospel so that they can be saved. That is how we have church growth. That is how we make a difference in our community. That's how in Lexington, Kentucky, we grow that, that ridiculously small number of 18% of people going to church and we grow that number up and up, and hopefully at some point it reaches 100%. That is, why we, that is why we plant churches. That's why our church doors continue to stay open. Not to build our kingdoms, but to build God's kingdom in heaven. I almost wish that we lived in a tropical place so that we could remove all of our buildings and we could just meet outside and no, there was no church buildings and it was just like if you love jesus just come here and we're all just going to worship there's no politics involved there's no preferences it was just people hearing the name of jesus and they came because of the name of jesus maybe someday that will be a reality i love when churches come together and worship I love when a bunch of different churches meet in a, in a location and they just throw out their preferences and it's all about worshiping Jesus. One of my friends up in the New England area tries to do that once a year in the summer when it's warm. It's not warm there often. And this year they had like 14 different congregations, not all in their same denomination. And they came and they gathered and they worshiped together for a Sunday. And I love that. It wasn't about like, okay, make sure the offerings are split. Okay. Make sure like we, we all understand we're all going back to our churches. And it wasn't about that. It's about making connection with your fellow believer, understanding that you're not alone in this town, that there are so many more Christians than you know, in this town and you don't have to feel alone. And to, and to expand this opportunity and reach of the gospel message that, you, that we might not be able to do as individual churches. But if 14 churches come together, then there might be somebody who is connected that realize that, oh, these aren't individual worship buildings, but they're all worshiping the same God. Maybe I need to show up to that. 
or maybe it's more appealing when went to somebody who has never heard the gospel is like, wait a minute, all these people, all these different organizations want to come together to do the same thing. I want to be a part of that. I might be interested in that. Man, I love that. That's church growth right there. That's how you grow your churches. It's not your style, but it's just the style of God. Over the past couple weeks, and, and probably for the next two weeks we in our church, we've been studying uh, Matthew 6, which is the second half of the Sermon on the Mount. And I, and I love Jesus' conversations and teachings on this, because he, he goes from this law-based society of just trying to be a good person because the Jewish law was, you know, you follow this, and if you can't follow this, then you give sacrifices so that you can be holy. And it was this individualistic thing, but what Jesus did was he took it a step even further, and he shared that it really is just between you and God, and it's not about trying to bring attention onto yourself. And I love that. That when we're faithful and obedient, and we're trying to grow our churches, and we're trying to spread the good news of Jesus, when we're trying to love our enemies, when we're, when we're talking about prayer, when we're giving to the needy, and all the different things that Christians do— it's not about us, and, God, and Jesus makes that very clear of saying, look, when you do all these things, when you, when you become the church, when you are trying to reach people, when you're trying to share anything, when you're trying to pray, all of those spiritual things, those are between you and God. Like, don't make spiritual things about you. Like, whenever you do something, don't say, like, look what we, look what we did, look what I did. But say, man, look how great God is. Like whenever we, we plant a church, it's not about what I did. It's not about what my co-minister did or my worship minister did. Or the elders did or, or the donors did. Like, no, it's not about any of that. It's about, look what God is doing. Look at God's blessing. Look at God's perseverance. Look who God has reached through this church. Look at the connections that God has placed in front of them. That's the most important thing that we point to every single time. That is so good. Whenever crazy things happen, it's always, you know, God is good. It's God's thing. When my, when my friend up in New England got, I don't know if he was the... A person that started this bringing all the churches together, but he was a part of the first one in over five years has grown to 14 churches. It wasn't like, look what I did to make sure all of these churches came together. But it was like, man, God is good. And we're going to show how great God is by all of us coming together in worship. Look at God, look at God, look at God, look at God, look how great he is. Look at all the things he's doing. Look at all these individual conversation and conver- um, congregations. Look how God is changing people's lives look at what god has done in these individual people's lives look what god can do with with these finances look what god can do with this group of people look how far god's messages have spread because of the blessings that he has done for the churches like it's all about god and i think people 
who are non-Christians right now, that I pray, I'm praying for their hearts, and I pray that they, they come to know Jesus, that they can sniff out when they come into a church and it's all about you, or it's all about a higher power that, that they cannot see. That when they go into a group of people, which they do often, like people go into large groups of people, whether it's at work or it's the store or it's concerts or it's sports games, like people going to another large group of people cheering for one thing is not a abnormal thing. But when they go to church, it should be different. Like it's not all about the person on the stage, but it's like these, everybody around here is different and they're coming to this building to do something a lot different than anything I've ever experienced. That there should be this different aura about it because we're not doing this to, to bring glory upon ourselves, but we're doing it to bring glory upon the one who created all of us. We're doing it to bring glory on the, the one who are faithful and obedient towards. We're bringing glory upon the one that sent down his son to die on the cross for us so that we can receive grace, that whenever we are in front of God, he only sees the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and that covers all of our sins, that he went before us to prepare a place in heaven for us. And we have hope in that. And because of that hope, we have received so much freedom in our life because we're no longer judged by the things of this world, but we're judged by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, which is the ability to live eternally in heaven with God. So the question, can we grow our churches? I pray that that answer is yes in the right way. So as we go throughout our day, I'd love for you to ask the question, do you want to grow the church? The answer is yes. The best way to do that is to invite your friends. To invite your family. To invite your coworkers. And you invite those people not because you want to grow an individual building or an individual congregation size. But you want to grow the big C church because that person needs salvation through Jesus Christ. That person needs freedom in their life. And back towards Acts 1, where it says, we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. And we will be God's witnesses, Jesus' witnesses, to the ends of the earth. And that is the power that we can receive. And I pray, I so pray that we can do that every single day, every single Sunday, And that is in the forefront of our minds all the time. You know, I pastor a church in South Lexington. And the the mission of our church is to elevate the people in South Lexington towards Christ. That everything about what we do is is worship, like to elevate, elevate God, to elevate other people. And it's this throwing off self towards other people in God, trying to elevate them towards Jesus. That is, that is our mission, and that's what we will continue to do to the ends of the earth. As long as we 
have any sort of ruling on this earth, any sort of blessing on this earth, as long as we are alive, we will try to elevate people towards Christ. And I pray that's the continual mission of our church as long as I'm the lead minister. And whoever we pass it on to next, I pray that they have that exact same heart. It's not about them. It's not about the building. It's not about the music or how good it can sound. It's not about the live stream or the tech or, or any of that, but it is just coming together to worship and uphold the glory of God. And we open up our buildings to give an opportunity for people to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for our hearts and our minds and the things that we care about in this world, that it's all focused on Jesus and nothing else. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for another opportunity to just gather around and be rooted in your scripture. That whenever we, we come around your table and we have services on Sunday and we gather with people throughout the week, they realize the sole purpose of this is because of your son Jesus. And the sole purpose of it is to just worship you. And we get this, this image in Revelation of everybody just coming around you and just worshiping you. Like constantly, they never stop. And I pray that that's in our minds and our hearts all the time. It's just all about you. It's all about worshiping you. And I pray our churches grow because we just want to worship you. And whenever you add to our individual congregations, they just hear the good news of Jesus. That they realize it's different. It's all about you and nothing else. It's not about upholding the person on the stage. It's not about giving all the glory to an individual person, preacher or minister or elder or leader. It's not about that. It's about Jesus. That we can step aside and say it's all about you. God, I pray for our churches. I pray for our ministers. I pray for our elders and our deacons and our individual people and our nursery workers and our children's ministry workers and our youth ministry workers and our worship people and our tech people that they just do it, man, it's about Jesus. God, you are so good. And I ask this on your son's name. Amen.